Yo MTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Innistrad is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Innistrad today. everyone and welcome to a fright-filled episode 82 of Yo MTG Taps. I know I sound like the Count, but I am the Wolfman. I am joined by the Count. Good evening, Count. <laughs> Is that me? Yeah, it's you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Eight <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Snapcaster Mages. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Twelve Jace the Mind Sculptors. Ah, ah, ah. Sorry. <laughs> Innistrad, obviously, pre-release was this weekend. Um, all, it looks like no, like a lot of times I pay attention to Star City throughout the weekend as the pre-release is going on to see if any, like, prices fluctuate severely. It seems like everything's kind of static right now. Yeah. Uh, I guess because, you know, I mean, I guess the hype has been, like, fully reached for all of these cards. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think that, like, at, in pre-releases past, like, there have been, like, a card people, like, overlooked, and then, you know, you'd, you'd people would, just, like, you'd find out over the weekend that's all people were trading for was this one card that, like, you didn't really realize was going to be good or something. Right. And it goes from, like, two bucks to, like, ten bucks in the weekend. I mean, I know that happens a lot on, like, you know, tournament weekends, you know, every weekend. Um, but uh, that really hasn't happened. Um, so that was, like, the first thing that, that I noticed uh, that I want to point at. Hype drives a price up a lot, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the card's any good. Um, but some things, like Snapcaster Mage, are the real deal, uh, right. at least in older formats, which makes the foils at a premium premium. It's it's a really, really good card uh, in, in older formats. The older format, you know, the older the format is and the more, like, ponder brainstorm effects are legal you know, right. more value that card gets. Exactly. Like in, in a format where, like, Ancestral Recall is legal, well, that seems pretty good, too. I don't see that card staying at $30 in non-foil, honestly. Um, the reason why is because this is a PTQ set, like, in terms of, like, limited. You know, sealed PTQs are about to start uh-huh. uh, with Innistrad, six packs per person. Like, every weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. People are going to be opening these packs for drafts until the summer. Yeah, there's. it's definitely... Like, the thing I likened it to uh, was... Look at look at Day of Judgment. Um, back, it was released in Zendikar, so a fall set. That was the first time we saw it. And it was clearly a white staple. And so right. here we have Snapcaster Mage in a similar uh, situation where he's clearly a blue staple. Um, now the difference right off the bat though, is how good Snapcaster Mage is in older formats as opposed to Day of Judgment, which is immediately outclassed by Wrath of God as soon as you go to modern, you know? Right. Oh, that's <laughs> um, true. So he, he does have a little, a leg up in that case. But uh, the thing is, like, if you look at Day of Judgment, uh, I mean, th- there's probably a better comparison. And I know, you know, people are like, look at Fauna Shaman. We're like, that was actually completely different because it wasn't in a fall set. It wasn't a green staple. It was a good – I mean, I guess it could be a green staple, but, it, you know, it didn't go into almost every green deck. Uh, but right. a, a, anyway, um, but I, what I'm trying to say is a Day of Judgment was – Day of Judgment was never $30, and Fauna Shaman was never $30 either. So what I'm saying is uh, the, the price likely drops pretty significantly, and I think, um, you know, $15 as a, as a settling point seems reasonable to me. Yep. Me I mean, too. That's pretty much how, how much I got mine for on pre-order, and I, I knew when I saw that, that was pretty much what went through my head. I, I knew that uh, 
that it would it could likely go up from there, but I didn't really think it was going to go much down from there. And even if it only ends up being a you know a nine or ten dollar card, I'm happy with you know I, I want the cards immediately now to play with in standard. So and modern, I'm, I've already built a modern deck with it, and so I'm uh, I'm oh, willing to pay that premium with uh, I'm willing to pay that premium to have them right away. Do you uh, do you want to talk about that modern deck because that is like. I, just hearing some of the ideas with that deck, that is an awesome deck. Um, I, I do want to talk about it, but I want to wait. I want to test it a little bit because I'd rather sure. have more to say about it than, hey, I came up with this list and as much, you know, the testing is all in my head, you know. Right, right. <laughs> but we will, you know, it's clearly got Snapcaster Mage in it. You have that uh, that to go on <laughs> to look forward to it. I'll certainly uh, talk about it after I get I'm some. I'm testing it's mono white and it just uses Sna- uh, Sun Titan to get Snapcaster Mage out of your graveyard. Right, so you see, what did I do is on turn one, I well, I, first I say I'm on the draw if I have the choice, and then I don't play a land and I discard Snapcaster Mage, right? There we go. And then, then eventually when I get to turn six. six, I can play sun, or seven really because I haven't haven't played a land on turn one. I play Sun Titan and get back Snapcaster Mage and get back something um, that I can't cast because I have no mana. So nice, right? So that's the plan, and then I have a two one. Right on. Yeah, and it's a really strong thing. I mean, you can get this, right. a 2-1 with the Sun Titan. It's like having an 8-7 for 6 mana. It's really good. Right, but split into two creatures. Yeah, it's like a morph creature almost. It's almost almost as good as a morph creature. Or, or um, a Lissid. <laughs> Lissids. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on here. Um, so I want to just kind of briefly talk about the pre-release weekend. Um, Saturday, I didn't go to any... Um, my roommate Travis did, uh, and he uh, brought his deck home with him, and some like I think he won a couple prize packs. Um, and I wanted to play with some new cards, so he was like, "Okay, well here I play green white. Use these blue and black cards, and uh, and build something out of those." You know what I mean? Right. So I did, and I did, and we just played some games. It was a lot of fun. Uh, got to see some of the interactions uh, in the set. Um, by the way. Uh, Invisible Stalker, mm-hmm. it's pretty good with, let's say, Curiosity. Yeah. Or, or, um, Butcher's Cleaver. Butcher's Cleaver, man. I had both of them um, at one point. I think, actually, no, I think maybe Saturday night I had both. And then I may have even had both Sunday morning at the pre-release, which was just great. Yeah, he's um, just really good. That, that's the thing. Here's here's my take on Invisible Stalker quickly, because I did have it in my pool. Um, he's... Awesome with something that's going to pump, like, or, or, you know, curiosity that's going to draw you cards, or Butcher's Cleaver, or, you know, the, the Sharpened Pitchfork, or the, uh, the Silver Inlaid Dagger, or the, the, what's the, uh, what's the one that reveals cards off the top, uh, oh trepidation, trepidation Blade or something? That card is really good. Right, so he's awesome with equipment. I mean, surprise, nobody, <laughs> nobody should, right. be, should be shocked by that, but he's, I think, he's bad without it. Because I, I mean, maybe it was just my experience, but, you know, I had him starting at turn two in one of the games, and he just, you know, didn't do anything. He attacked every turn. Didn't sure. win me that game. I mean, I never saw anything to put on him, even though I did have a couple things in the deck. Uh, but anyway, go go on. Oh, no, it's all good. Um, I'm actually thinking about building a blue-white deck um, with, I mean, because you know I've been kind of on the pure steel paladin mm-hmm. kick. So I'm thinking blue-white with pure steel paladins and uh, invisible stalkers and uh, trinket mage to find certain small pieces of equipment. Right. Like the living weapon stuff. Oh, I'm thinking about just going nuts with that. Yeah, there's definitely a blue-white aggro deck that, that you know, some some sort of equipment deck, whether it's pure steel or not, which seems like the best way to go. Yeah, it does. You know, it seems like, uh, seems like there's all kinds of invisible stalker brews going around. Uh, you know, people are... Trying to play with. I know uh, Mike Flores is talking about using it with Stratus Scythe. Is that is that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, like the one that it gives the creature like plus uh, X plus X for each of that land type that's imprinted in play. Yeah, exactly. Not just uh, not just on your side of the field. So yeah, so like he he basically built a mono blue deck, and so when you when you play the Stratus Scythe, you you imprint an island on it, and uh, yeah, you, when it enters the battlefield, you. Search your library for a land card, exile it, and then shuffle your library. So you you get an island, and then the equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each land on the battlefield with the same name of that 
attack card. So it's great in his own deck, but if you're playing Islands too, you know, it, it's, it's cool too. Yeah, so uh, it does cost kind of a lot to equip because it costs three and three. So it, it's not like cheap, but it's a little more than a than a sword of Feast and Famine or, you know, any of the swords. But it's a, it's an interesting idea, and that on a, on Invisible Stalker seems powerful. Yeah, for sure. So go on with your go on with your uh, your story. Oh yeah. So um, so anyway, uh, we had twenty four people show up. Um, Adam Saborski was there, uh, gunslinging for us for the day, uh, because he's awesome and he comes out to all our pre release events. And big shout out to Adam Saborski. Uh, you all should be checking out his uh, weekly articles on DailyMTG.com and uh, GatheringMagic.com, QuietSpeculation.com, every single .com that has articles on it. Yeah, um, he writes for all of them. Uh, Adam Saborski's there. Gizmodo. So. Um, <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> Sorry, keep <laughs> throwing me off. Um, so Adam was there. Uh, we had four rounds. The way I usually do things is I do like four rounds and then award the prizes based on the ranks, kind of like the regional pre-releases that we used to go to do. Mm-hmm. I just kind of modeled it after that because that's what I always played in. You know, right. um, I went three-one in the in the main event. And I, yes, I play in my events, even though I'm also running them. So what? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> and cheat, that's why. Yeah, that's I cheat the crap out of it. Um, no, uh, so I played blue black, and I think no, I was no, I was blue white with a splash of black. Right. In the yeah, because you had an isolated chapel. I did. I had an isolated chapel, and I had a Skurzdag high priest. I think that's the name of the card, mm-hmm. the one that makes demons with right. orbit. Right. Um, and then I had the flashback on the card that you know the name of faster than I would. Mm, forbidden Alchemy. Yes, Forbidden Alchemy. Um, Did you say Forbidden? Forbidden Malcolm. <laughs> forbidden for Malcolm in the middle will be exactly. Um, and so I, I did that, and it went really well. Uh, a lot of uh, Invisible Stalker shenanigans. I had Invisible Stalker and a Snapcaster Mage in my pool. Uh, Snapcaster Mage was great. I would actually, I think more often than not, I wound up using it to flashback spells that had flashbacks, so I would have the mana to pay for it. Right, you know like, I mean? a, so like, like on Forbidden Alchemy, so you didn't have to pay the... Seven. The yeah, seven. Exactly. Well, you, you end up paying six, or I'm five there, but still. Right. You get um, a 2-1 out of it. I think I used it on Rebuke more than anything else, though, yesterday. Yeah. That was awesome. Just being like, turn three, Rebuke. They go turn four, play a dude. I go turn four, you know, or turn whatever, you know, get to five lands and then just go Snapcaster rebuke. And they're like, really? Snapcaster? Like, (laughs) yes. So uh, actually the one time, I think the last time I used him, uh, I flashed him in to flashback nothing so I could swing for lethal the next turn because he like swung out thinking that. He had the, like, or he, like, could afford to, and I just, like, put the last two damage on the board. Right. He, he was just like, oh, my God. So that worked out real well. Um, and Flash then the, is good. Yeah. And then in the draft, I went up drafting blue-green, uh-huh. um, which turned out pretty good. I went 2-1 in the draft, um, which was good for prize packs. So I won packs in both events. Um, the The real... Uh, victory, though, was coming home last night and uh, playing Super Sealed with Wes. I saw your tweet about this. Yeah, we uh, we each played... We built sealed decks using six packs of Onslaught and two packs of Innistrad <laughs> each uh, because our uh, distributor for the pre-releases, Magazine Exchange, they do some really sweet deals when you pre when you get your pre-release product from them. Uh, like they'll give you discounted boxes and stuff like that. So I actually got a $35 box of Onslaught. That's so awesome. Which was great. I, I opened a Goblin Pile Driver. I opened a Wooded Foothills, a Bloodstained Mire. Those were the only two fetches, though, but whatever. Is this out um, of the full box or just out of the Yeah, out of okay. the full box. Um, and then uh, the my favorite card I opened in the entire box, though, was a Foil Shepherd of Rot, which is on my list for uh, – for my commander deck foiling. Right. So very happy that. with that. I, and I, and I held off on the Japanese foil star city had, and I'm kind of glad I did because this would have just been redundant and sat in my binder for a hundred years. Otherwise, right. cause I'm the only one who wants that card on earth. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah, so I went 2-1 in the draft. Um, draft didn't, I don't know, like, it was hard to evaluate cards in a, you know, your first draft ever mm-hmm. with that. So, obviously, like, there are things I probably could have done differently or things I probably could have valued higher. And maybe I should have listened to Limited Resources podcast uh, before I tried to get into any of this crap. Um, <laughs> Definitely recommended. Yes. I, I listened to it. Um, but, oh well. Um, it was a fun day overall. Um, Super Sealed was great. Elite Inquisitor is amazing in Onslaught uh, in a Strahd <laughs> Seal. And I didn't open him. Let's just put it that way. Ah, I, <laughs> I don't think I won a single game where he wound up on the board. I was like, okay, great. I've got the, nothing to do to him. Like... It's like one or two of my creatures can block him. I don't know. It was awful. I played blue-black in that, too. Who would have thought? Um, I always, like, it's funny. You you are a blue player. <laughs> You'll always be a blue player. But I'm a blue player in limited. Right. That's what it seems like, like. I am the most, like, hardcore blue drafter or builder in limited ever. Like, I will, I'm just like, okay, here are my good blue cards, and here's everything else. Which color is going with blue? Right. Basically, what it comes down to every time I play. Like, let's see, I did blue-black, I did blue-green, I did blue-white in the last, like, three times I played with Innistrad cards. Right. You know? Um, it's just where I always go. And I avoid red like the plague. <laughs> I don't know why. And it's like, red's the only deck I've been playing in standard for the last month. But I just, like, almost immediately push all my red cards aside when I'm playing limited, like, without even looking at them. Right. And green, too. And you know me, like, I had to look and see if I was wearing the green mana symbol shirt right now, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's just kind of odd that, it, you know, the tendencies are different for me in limited. Right. I saw you playing something pretty interesting in limited uh, when I came over. I was like... Joey's playing the two colors I avoid. What the hell is going on here? Like, yesterday, like pre-releases are opposites day for me, Joey, <laughs> um, which is fun. Uh, so, I mean, I want to talk to you about, and the reason why we even got on this call um, right now, as opposed to just skipping a week, is I wanted to talk to you about your pre-release experience because I know you weren't every time. Okay, me and you have been going to pre-releases together for forever, right? I think nope. our first first one was well. I mean, I guess our first one was Mercadian Masks, like Tempest. I, no, it, well, I, I, Tempest no, that was a launch party. Yeah, that was like a well. It, if it if it was called a launch launch party back then, that's what what it would have been. Like, yeah, the day the set came out. So. Right. But anyway, but yes. yeah. So we've been going for a long time. Yeah, go ahead. Right. And uh, yeah, Mercadian Masks is the first one I remember. It was the Overseer guy, right? Yeah. Was it the was, uh, the blue the blue uh, spell shaper? <clears throat> Overtaker. That's it, yeah. 50 Cent Rare. Murph, he's a merfolk. What? He's been eroded oh, to be he's a merfolk. He's been eroded to be a merfolk. He doesn't even look like a merfolk, yeah. So Overtaker, yeah, it, it, I was right about the effect. I guess it's it's technically a uh, Ray of Command effect. It was supposed to be, but yeah. I want to run that in merfolk. <laughs> I mean, it's... Because no one would expect it. They would certainly wouldn't. You're like, ah, I'm going to tap four and discard a daze and steal your Tarmogoyf for a turn or something. Yeah, you could steal uh, Emrakul. You could. So, anyway. Yes, we've been going to pre-releases for a long time, I think, is where you were, uh, where we where we got derailed again. Go ahead. It's okay. We're having a bit of a nostalgia trip here. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's fine. Um, so... What the hell was I talking about? We've been going to pre-releases for a really long time. We've been going to pre-releases for a really long time. And now uh, we have gone to another one together. But the thing is, like, every time Joey's playing in a pre-release, he never seems to be enjoying himself. Like, I love pre-releases. I love opening cards. I love building decks on the fly. Sealed's always been my favorite format. I've always been saying that. Um, And, like, it's just awesome for me. Like, I love limited. I just love limited in general. I love limited card pools. I love deck building on the fly. And I don't know. I mean, Joey's always been more of a constructed player, you know? So every time I see him at a pre-release, he doesn't seem to be 
having a great time. He seems to like always by the end of the day be dejected, like hates the game, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like just like questions every like why did I get into this? Like I don't know, like <laughs> So, so I mean, talk about that a little bit. Well, I think I was trying to think about this this morning and trying to figure out how, uh, you know, because I, I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Um, I tweeted yesterday as I was leaving, like this is a second pre-release in a row where I'm leaving because I'm not feeling like I'm having fun, and um, and I don't blame the set like at, at all. I don't. I think the set is awesome, and I think, uh, I think I, I, I'm actually excited to play more with the set and even more limited, even if it's more sealed. Uh, and that's where, I guess, where there's some confusion or something, because I think I don't like sealed. But, uh, you know, let, let me, let, I'm, I'm kind of jumping forward here. Um, pre-releases to me have always, you know, in like you said, we've, we've been going to these for years, and pre-releases have a whole lot of... Uh, I guess a whole lot of nostalgia and a whole lot of things that I relate to a pre-release, the word pre-release. There's a lot of excitement there, and it's generally, uh, not not just generally, entirely. When I think of pre-release, the word pre-release, there's excitement there. It's all positive. Um, and so I know, like, in the past, we'd go, like, it represented this this trip that was usually 45 minutes to an hour and a half away, you know, this big event where we didn't really get to go to big events very often. Um, these were our big events and we would go and not only get to play with the new cards, but get to, you know, trade for the new cards. And, um, you know, I'd leave pre-releases really excited. I remember the onslaught pre-release and coming home that night and sitting in my living room, my parents' living room, you know, with cards spread out all over the floor, but I basically built an elf deck, from trading with people and I was like, so excited to play with this elf deck and I remember taking it to uh to Legends Sunday tournament the next day and like killing people with it even though it wasn't legal and standard it was just we were playing uh you know outside of the tournament we were just playing with people but it was like it was awesome because I got all these new new cards and it was just really exciting to me and um and I think over time you know and, and uh, because of a number of factors the pre-release experience has changed for me entirely. Um, one, it's me just being, you know, getting older and having a better job and being able to afford cards that trading has lost a lot of its allure for me because I'm my, I feel like my time is almost more valuable to me than just, you know, I'll just buy them. I'm not going to go through all this effort, time and effort trying to buy or trying to trade for cards that I want. Like if I were trying to trade for Snapcaster Mages yesterday, yours was the only one I saw. I'm sure there were more in the room, but at least one more in the room. But still, even if I had successfully traded for yours and the other one in the room, I'm like, oh, I didn't get four Snapcaster Mages. I know I'd kind of feel like, oh, I didn't get them. Or if I didn't get the ones from you, I'd leave frustrated with that too, I think. Um, I think I'm even derailing myself or getting a little distracted here from, from what I'm, I'm digressing. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, sure, sure. But mainly, as you can tell, not just at pre-releases, trading has a lost of a lot of its luster for me because I think I, I just will buy the cards I want. Um, and so that element of the pre-release, you know, of coming home with a, a whole new standard deck or almost uh, has been kind of taken away. Um, and part of that has to do with the fact that now the big pre-releases don't exist. You know, we go from the events that have 240 people to having 24 people, you know, and it, and so there are only two Snapcaster mages in the room or, or whatever. Uh, I'm using that as the example, but there's not just not so many people there to trade with anyway. So even if I were to, um, that would that would be a problem. So basically, um, what I'm trying to say is, pre-releases to me represented a way to not only just play with the new cards, which of course, you know, it's not like I've ever been really that great at sealed. I don't really feel like I had. Uh, I don't really feel like the pre-releases were fun to me because I won. It was usually because of getting new cards, and now that I'm just getting them, I'm just pre-ordering them, I've kind of, that element has been taken away. And they've also lost a lot of their allure because uh, they're not big events anymore. They're just these kind of small local events. And while they're big for the local stores, they're small compared to the, the pre-release experience that I have all these positive memories of. So there's that. 
And then it comes down to the actual format of sealed, which I think frustrates me a lot. And that's, that's what really, I think, tips the scales for me recently where I feel like, you know, I open a sealed pool and, and I'm sure, like I said, I'm not blaming the set. I'm not really trying to blame anything else other than myself. I think I have high expectations for pre-releases based on old experiences and I come in and that's not the way it is. And I don't know what I'm expecting out of my packs. I said this to uh, to Adam yesterday, Adam uh, Stavorsky. I was talking to him and I said, I don't know what I'm expecting out of pre-releases. Maybe if I got what some of my opponents had, I think I'd be happy. <laughs> but that's what it feels like to me. I feel like I, I, I open a sealed pool and I'm not happy with anything I got, whether whether it's something I'm going to use in standard or, or, or whatever. Uh, Basically, I look at a sealed pool and go, okay, I, these aren't cards that I really want to play in standard. So I lose there. And so I'm like, okay, well, I, that's not something you can count on. But, you know, you're excited you open up packs and you're not excited about any of the cards. That's something. So I'm like, okay, so that didn't necessarily derail me at that point. Um, but then I, I go to build a deck and I'm like, I have some good white cards. Awesome. I have some good green cards. Okay. I have some good black cards, some good red cards, some good blue cards. Um Am I playing five colors? What is going on? So I'm trying to figure out. I feel like I don't have a, a, a consistent pool at all, and I'm just it's just a mess. It looks like a mess to me, so I try to play. I played, like, Esper yesterday, and uh, that was just a mess. So then I just was like, forget it. I'm just playing the, re- the red-green cards. That's what you came over and saw. I played Esper round one. Right. Oh, wow, and, that's funny. And my, uh, my opponent goes, like, turn two... Avicen Priest, or what, Avicenian Priest, the Tapper, you know, that that white uh, tap a non-human creature, right? So he goes, like, turn two that, turn three, uh, Chapel Geist, turn four, Chapel Geist, turn five. He's, like, got all, turn five, Battleground Geist. He's got the Spirit's pre-constructed deck, you know? And and I'm just like, wow, wow, that, you you really, you know, he puts Curiosity on, on the Chapel Geist, and I'm sitting there with, like, no removal. I'm, like, waiting for my removal, and then I draw... Smite the powerful or whatever it is, <laughs> the the one that hits the four power creatures, and of course Chapelgeist is a two three, and I can't kill it. And right. so I'm like, this guy's just drawing cards every turn, beating me down with several spirits. Now he's got battleground geist. I I couldn't. I, I was just really that was frustrating. I'm like, I can't even deal with any of this stuff. So okay, he he does that, and game two was a little bit better. I, that's the one where I had, I was like, okay, I have stuff to play. I have Invisible Stalker. Now if I could just draw into one of my, like, three kind of, uh, you know, equipment, or I had Bonds of Faith uh, in the deck. That's what it's called, right? The uh, the Pacifism Pump kind of thing. Isn't that what it is? Um, but yeah, Bonds yeah. of Faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, cool, I'll put that on my Invisible Stalker or something. Anyway, I'm. I thought it would go better but again he just curves out with spirits and he wins and he shows me what he has in his hand and then he goes oh and the centerpiece of the deck and shows me Liliana that he pulled and I'm just like not only did you just open a pre-constructed deck you know it, the, uh, the spirit tribal deck uh, but you also opened Liliana like oh that frustrated the hell out of me because I'm just like I opened all this crap and my deck's not synergistic and I'm frustrated and, you know, you're showing me how not only did you beat me, but you could have also still beat me. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, that's not fun. So I was already, that just frustrated me even more. I think that's where it, it tilted me um, at that point. And I know I, it's partly my own, again, my own expectations. And I'm, I'm trying to say, like, I, I blame myself, but I think uh, I, I hear all these success stories i look around and i'm like oh cool so dave's got the the cool vampire guy the the bloodline keeper the black vampire that pops out other two two vampires yeah, yeah. Like, that's cool and then i'm i'm looking around and like you have snapcaster mage and like this cool looking blue blue white deck i'm like man i wish i had that deck i just I'm like why why did i get the crappiest pool in the room <laughs> and um i that's what it feels like i know it's not true but that's what it feels like and i think um i think it's just based on my own expectations and maybe maybe it's also just I opened crappy sealed pools recently and I see other people opening way cooler stuff and I get discouraged. So right. I, I don't know. Well I mean I think that like 
like I think the problem comes from, or like the I think the reason why you never, I mean, because I don't think you ever think you open a good sealed pool. Um, no, cause I remember. I mean, this is far far back, but I remember the uh, the M10 pre-release, and I remember being like, "This sealed pool is awesome." But I, other than that, you're right. I don't really remember feeling that way about many other ones. So, and it's again, it's maybe the way I'm building my decks. I, I think it might. No, I don't even know if it's the way you're building your decks, but I think it might just come from card evaluation. You know what I mean? Just because, mm-hmm. like, you have to evaluate cards differently in limited than you do in standard, right? And in different formats. Um, and I don't think that, like, maybe I don't think you flex that muscle enough. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of evaluating cards in limited. Well, I think that might be the problem, honestly. You you could be right, and I and I think may, maybe I think you're probably right on some level. Um, in this case, I feel like I I did look at my sealed pool, and I feel like I evaluated it pretty well. And I did see like I was I had like you know cards, good cards, but it felt like they were spread across all five colors. And if I just combined two colors, it didn't seem like enough. I mean, the red green deck that I had was reasonable, but. Uh, which is, you know, funny because I switched to that from the original one. I guess I'm also – I get torn between what exactly I want to play because I'm like – I try to tell myself don't just try to play blue because you like playing blue. Play the strong cards. But then right. then another part of me goes, well, at least if you play blue and lose, you'll still have fun because you're playing the color you want to play. At least you'll feel happy because you're doing that. So that's what I I know – I think I did the opposite at the Mirrodin Besiege pre-release where I built like a, a black green deck and and it was just – it didn't work for me round one. So I was like, forget it. I'm just playing the blue card. So I switched and just, you know, I played a blue deck. And even though I didn't win, I did have fun because you know what? I played Consecrated Sphinx. I drew a bunch of cards off of it, still lost the game and still thought it was fun because I was like, cool. I drew all these cards. I played Consecrated Sphinx. That was fun. And I was happy because I had Consecrated Sphinx, which, you know, looked – the funny thing is at the time it was like a, a very underrated – Mythic, you know, it was like a three dollar card. It wasn't like I opened a money rare, but I was excited because of, because of that. And that that's kind of what I'm saying. Where I felt like I opened all these cards, and there wasn't really one there that I was excited to play with. And you know, I, I think I said this yesterday to somebody too. Where at least if you have like one cool bomb in there, you can go. Well, you know, I hope I just draw my bomb, and if I play that, that'll be fun. Even if I lose, that's that's how I feel. Like I, it's not the losing that bothers me. It's it's the playing of the decks sometimes. And anyway, in this case yesterday, like I felt really good about, you know, my fam- familiarity with the cards. Um, I feel I, I went on to uh, like a site where you can simulate sealed pools that like magic draft simulators kind of thing. Yeah. And you can simulate sealed deck. And so I, sim- I did that like a bunch of times the other night for like a few hours where I just built sealed decks and I was, and some of those were crappy too. But you know, I, I opened a whole bunch of pretty awesome looking sealed decks in that too. I'm like, man, if I could take this with me to the pre-release, this would be awesome. But uh, mm-hmm. and none of those did I open. I, the funny thing is, that out of all those I did, uh, did I quote unquote open a Snapcaster Mage or a Liliana? I did open a Garrick in one of them. But um, but you know, I felt real good about those those decks I was building there. And you know, I get to the pre-release, I'm like, this doesn't look like anything I opened on. <laughs> You know, in my simulation mode. But I was actually – I think that was another thing where I I set my expectations higher because I felt like I put work into it, even though it was fun. I put time into it, I guess, is a better better way to put it. I put time and effort into, into coming into the pre-release prepared, and it right. just seemed like, you know, bad. It seemed, it seemed crummy. Right. And um, I, I – I think it's me. Like, I'm not really trying to uh, – I know I've said that multiple times, but I think it's it's me. It's my expectations, and I have to reevaluate what I expect out of a pre-release because when, you know, Friday evening I'm, like, super pumped for a pre-release, and then for whatever reason I'm – it doesn't live up to my expectations, so I leave probably more disappointed than I would if – if I hadn't had those expectations, if I was just going in, like, I'm going to play Magic, like uh, any other random kind of day, like, say, you know, in in a week or two or something, if I were to play Sealed with Innistrad, 
I probably have a lot more fun because the expectations aren't there. But I have these associations with the word pre-release, and it comes with all this positive baggage. <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's the way I, I – at least that's what I've gotten out of it after thinking about it for, you know, the last day or, you know, half of day, half a day yesterday evening and, and this morning. I mean, I guess what is it do you like about Sealed? I just – love being able to like i love the problem solving aspect you know i just love the like looking at your pool and like i never uh, let me tell you what i never do in sealed Mm -hmm. okay this is something that i never do in sealed is i never care about what other people opened even if i'm playing against it i never like let that affect me or use that as an excuse for why i lost Mm -hmm. and i never like worry about what i don't have in my sealed pool. Right. I, you know, know I never get my before. expectations up for a particular card or a particular theme. I saw, I managed to make blue work most of the time because it has card draw, it has removal, and it has creatures. And it has some pretty sweet creatures in this set. Um, and, and I tend to gravitate towards flyers. You know, I, I tend to put things in that have a lot of evasion, which typically puts me in blue-white or blue-black or black-white or something along, you know, a combination of Esper colors. Right. Um, but, like, but I think the way I look at it is, like, if I don't have, like, when I'm building a deck, I look at the whole deck and I go, okay, well, if I don't have card X because, you know, you, you have to understand that you're going to be facing bombs and you have to know which bombs you are dead to you know what i mean so mm-hmm. when i'm like building a pool i'm like okay well i can't beat this card like or i can't i don't have a, a creature that beats this card we find a piece of removal that does you know or let me find this or find that you know and it's just like a, a problem solving exercise it's like building the best possible 40 card deck you can using only these six packs. And I just think that that's a really fun mental exercise. Um, I think it's something I want to be really, really good at. You know, like, it's just one of those things that, like, I take seriously. Like, a lot of people look at Sealed, and they, like, like I'm, I'm imagining you and Travis look at Sealed as a pre-release format. You know what I mean? Like... Right. And I look at it as a PTQ format. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I look at it as, quite frankly, I look at it as my best possible chance at winning a PTQ. Right. And there is some of, and there is some of the, um, you know, randomness that comes with that and the occasional luck of opening something that might be really, really good in that format. You know, and that's fine. And, um, but I don't think that, waiting for that day to come is what's going to win me a PTQ. I think it's going to be being paired up against the people who are waiting for that day to come. Right. <laughs> that's going to win me a PTQ. Yeah. You know, I look at it like, like if you, if you take, if I feel like, like your mindset, my mindset is never more confident going into a format than it is going into sealed. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of the reason why I think it's a format that I'm really good at. And I, I'm not sitting here saying I'm the best at sealed, but I'm saying like it's a format that I'm very confident in because I feel like I perform the best in it, right? And 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 vice versa. I feel like it's the format I perform the best in because I go into it with the most confidence, right? When I go into standard on Fridays, I'm just sitting there the whole time going, "Oh my god, I hope I don't play against um, Splinter Twin." Oh my god! I hope I don't play against Splinter Twin. Oh my god! I hope I don't play against Splinter <laughs> Twin. That's like all that's going through my head, right? Yeah. And like, I never have those moments with Sealed. Right. Now, now to a degree, I did have that moment with Sealed, um, with the card Tree of Redemption. Yeah. I was kind of going into the weekend thinking about Tree of Redemption. Let me actually say that the reason why I played green in the draft yesterday was because I opened a pack one, pick one tree of redemption. And I was like, well, if I don't play it, I'm going to have to play against it because it's only a six person pod. So there's no way I'm not playing green. I like chose a color. So I didn't have to play against that one card. Right. You, I know you expressed your uh, opinion toward that card last week. Uh, 
What's that? Hatred, Joey. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's funny, though, because you, I, the one game I actually watched you playing, you beat that card. I beat Tree of Redemption. I know, man. And it's because I've been thinking about that card for a week. You know, like, I've been yeah. evalu- I've been, like, in terms of, like, limited and in terms of standard, I've been thinking about that card. Right, so think- quickly, I actually wanted to just kind of tell the story, and I think from what I understand, he, he had a 215 Tree of Redemption. How did he get counters on it? Um... Oh, from the, uh, the Elder the Kethar or something? Or? No, because no, it's not a human. It's from that flashback spell that puts plus one, plus one counters and stuff. Okay, the uh, yeah, the travel preparations? Yeah, he had okay. that flashed it back, so he had a 215 sitting there. Okay, so basically you said you got him to 15 life, and then you just stopped attacking because there was yeah. no no point, right? So yeah, I, I, was just, I was just waiting to deal with the tree. I'm like, okay, well, eventually he's going to be able to just use this thing, and okay. I don't want to have to do that much extra work, and I don't want to leave myself open that long. Right. You know, by swinging into him for no reason. Yeah. What I did was I just let my army build up because I knew we didn't have any board sweeps. You know, so I just let my army build up, build up, build up mm-hmm. until I had enough mana to flash back my – or no, no. I did something. I bounced it. Oh, that's what you did. You, you put it you, on top of his library. Right. You played like either Silent Departure or Grasp of Phantoms. It was Grasp of Phantoms. I flash, I, that's right because I flashed it back. For eight. Uh-huh. And I had enough guys on the board to swing for 18 as soon as I did it. I knew he wouldn't take all the damage, but I knew he'd take most of it. And he didn't have any flyers. So the next turn, he would have to play his tree and then wait another turn, which he could not use it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I made sure I had enough mana and enough board presence to put it on top of his library Get in there with everybody. Get uh-huh. him down. To, I think it was down to two life, and then it okay. was just a matter of getting one guy through and having the uh, summoning sick tree on the board, not able to do anything. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I just thought I'd, I I wanted you to tell that because I thought that was pretty cool. I know there was another point I wanted to make. I know, I know what it was, and it is again about me and my perceptions and ex- expectations going in. Pre-releases for me has been less about the format sealed than it is about getting new cards. And I think, so what I'm saying is, hey, I'm going to go to this event and I'm going to open six packs and see what I get. Oh, and also I'm going to play with cards with them. You know what I mean? Like that, that's like secondary, like probably not even secondary, like so far back, you know, Uh, it's just like, I'm opening packs to see what I get. And also I'm going to I'm going to build a deck and play like that. It's, it's less about the actual sealed format and more about what am I going to open in my six packs because I want to get new cards. And right. so that's, and, and, that's a huge part of it. And see, going into pre-releases for me, I don't worry about what I get in my six packs because I'm also worried about playing. I'm like, well, I'm going to win more packs. Is like I go right. into Sealed with that level of confidence. I'm like, well, here are the six packs. Yeah, that's pretty cool, but I'm going to win some more today when I build this awesome deck. Right. I, there, there's what it is. I mean, there, well, there's a huge thing. Uh, I'm, it's, for me, it's about getting new cards, and that's why the trading element was used to be so much more important to me and that's why I think pre-releases used to be so much more fun to me because I wasn't buying cards I didn't have the money when I was you know a poor you know college kid uh with you know making five dollars and 85 cents at super fresh um you know I didn't have the money to buy cards so I had to trade for them so pre-releases were my best chance to trade and so to me again I'm going to the pre-release I open my six packs I didn't get anything good or I got something good or whatever oh I'm going to play cards for a little bit and then I'm going to try to trade for cards but it didn't matter to me whether or not I I did well because I was there to open six packs and trade that was right. and now I still have that where I the trading has gone uh, as far as the number of people there and then just the desire to trade is is much lower um and so but like that's been taken out of it, and so it's basically all about, hey, I'm going to open six packs, see if I get anything. And if not, I'm already like in a hole, I guess, for the day where I'm just like, well, oh, I just spent $25 on a bunch of cards I don't really want. And now I'm going to play cards, and then I get frustrated, of course, when I, when I play. And, and then another thing I said to somebody was, in Sealed, you only have the cards, the packs you open. So if you face somebody who curves out into the Spirit deck, I don't have... You know, I can't go. I'll just play Day of Judgment because it's not there. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't find the answers. If I don't have the answers, I just don't have the answers and I lose. And so it feels like even – I'm like in a box where I can't – what you said about problem solving, I'm like I can solve the problem. 
with cards that aren't here, but the car if the if I don't feel like there's a card there, obviously I need it, it, it depends on what's in your card pool, but I you know, I didn't have something that would deal with that. I felt like all the answer cards were in my deck already. The the best kind of answer cards I have, you know, the one rebuke and the one smite the monstrous. You know, like that was my removal and bonds of faith, you know. So, uh you know, you don't get that much removal. If he curves out into five spirits, it's just like, well, I can deal with one of them, and he's tapping down my big blocker that I could use to deal with another one, and I can't kill his tapper because that's not monstrous enough. And it's just like, I, I don't have answers for all this. Um, you know, I don't have counter spells either I, in this format. I, I don't even think I opened any counter spells anyway, but, you know, to, to maybe stop him from playing some of these guys early. So. It just felt like, in yesterday's case, I just don't have the answers for it. And that, to me, is uh, is part of what makes it frustrating. Right. So, and then, then, you know, on top of it, the, well, I had the answers, didn't see any of them. <laughs> you know? I think I played blue because I had Think Twice and Forbidden uh, Alchemy, and I'm like, cool, well, that'll help me. You're like, cool, I'll be able to play these cool spells and draw into stuff, and hopefully that'll help me. But, of course, I didn't see those in, in the games I played. So uh, and so the reason I played blue, I never even saw. I happened to see, you know, the, the Invisible Stalker, which was kind of just a 23rd card inclusion kind of thing, you know? Right. Because I, I actually had him in the don't play pile because I felt like I didn't have really that much to, uh, to beef him up with. I had the Pitchfork. I think, and Bonds of Faith, and I think I had the dagger, the silver inlaid dagger, but, um, you know, I, I wasn't planning on necessarily playing him. Anyway, I think people get, get what we're saying here. I guess, uh, I guess that's really, there's really not that much more to be said about it. I think I need to just change my expectations, and I'll probably have a lot more fun, and I think I would like to go and play more, play another sealed with it, or more than more than just one other sealed with it, and try to kind of put that into practice. So. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, maybe you should come to a PTQ, like a sealed PTQ uh, with me. Right. And those are fun. Like, like, like the, the funniest thing to me about PTQs is that on top of opening and registering a pool, you then put it all together and pass it. <laughs> I right? think that will so, frustrate me more. I know. No, that's what I'm I saying. Know. Well, that's, well, that's the one way you're going to be able to get over that, here's what I opened in these packs thing, is because you don't get those cards. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, so so for me, that that thrill, you know, keeping – having the cards that I open in the packs that I open is a privilege to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, I don't have to pass these. You know, but, like, the funniest thing is that people – and, like, honestly, like, I just want to briefly mention that uh, this week I made a brief cameo on the Redcast Wins podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so shout out to those guys. But – it was really funny because I wound up having to leave their podcast early, um, mostly because they were t- telling this big, long story, and I just didn't have time. But also because I was getting really frustrated with, uh, with the way they were talking about Limited. Hmm. They were talking about, like, playing in a sealed PTQ, right? Uh-huh. And, like, and, and he mentioned two decks that he played that day. Right, mm-hmm. the deck that he built, and the deck that he opened that he passed, he called his deck, right. his sealed pool. So like, that's not yours, buddy. Like, <laughs> like it's that's just some. All that is is information. You know what I mean? Like, when you open a sealed pool, right? And this is advice. This isn't just me complaining. This is advice to any of you who ever play in a PTQ, right? When you open a, a, a sealed pool. Register the deck, alphabetize it, sort it, put it away, and be done with it. Don't sit there and worry about, oh, this bro, because this is literally what you hear the whole time you're at a sealed PTQ. (laughs) Oh, this bro opened Trips Pacifism, bro. Oh, this bro opened Dubs, you know, whatever. Dubs, <laughs> trips. I'm dead serious. Dubs, trips, and bro out of everyone's mouth that's at a, C- a sealed PTQ. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I'm like, you're alphabetizing and registering 
magical cards. You know? Right. Dubs, trips, bro, you're still not cool. I don't care how many, like, slang words you use or how indifferent you sound when you say it. Right. You're you're one step away from the Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon players, okay? <laughs> you're just one table away, you know? You're in a room, and you're playing Magic the Gathering, and that's pretty cool and all, but there's going to be someone playing Hero Clicks or Warhammer one table over, or D&D, okay? <laughs> you're never going to get out of that room, okay? There's never going to be an executive suite for the Magic players to have their draft. You're going to play next to the D&D guys who are dressed up. All right, and you're not cool, and just get over yourselves. Um, but most importantly, get over what people opened in their seal pools, because it doesn't matter. That's not your seal pool. You have to build a deck with what you have in your seal pool. You don't get a single card. You don't go. Well, can I just have one? Can I just have this one? Because so so this bro can't have trips uh, overrun, bro. Like no, you don't. You can't get that. You don't get that card. You get the. You have to pass all of them. Every single card you open, you have to pass over to somebody else who gets to play with them. And good for them. You know, let them build an awesome deck, you know. Right. Let them have a value card, you know. You're going to get something passed to you, too, that someone's pissed about passing. Because what you can't have is always more appealing than what you have. It's a problem with life. It's not just, like, it's not just magic. It's everything. You're like... Oh, I've got this stupid car. I wish I had this awesome car. That's your whole life. That's what it is. <laughs> Wishing you had things life. you didn't have. All right? And then when you have them, being like, well, this isn't as cool as I thought. You know, like, you're going to get that freaking foil grave titan in your pool one day. And someone's going to have the day of judgment for it. Right. And so what? You know what I mean? Like... So what? You had that card. Big deal, you know? Then they play pacifism, and you get two zombies. So what? Like, <laughs> let them have it. Figure out a way to deal with it. If you're that worried about it, find one card in your sealed pool that deals with it. Or if it doesn't, have a plan, you know? If you're that worried about it. Don't yell about it and be like, no, my, my pool was weak because the pool that I should have had that I don't have because I had to pass it like every single other person in the friggin' room. Uh, that that pool had three ways to deal with it, and I didn't have it because I passed it. It's not yours. Like, that's not your pool. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's a total mindset issue, and I love and prey upon the people who have that mindset issue. You right. know? Like and, and I pray I think, upon them. I think I'm I'm partly one of those people, like to some degree. I think. Yeah, definitely yeah. some aspect of it. I'm not going to say you're all of those things, you right. know. But well, like, I, I don't. There's yeah. there's definitely elements of it in probably in your trepidation towards like sealed. It so always I, feels like somebody else has some has better cards. Right, right, and 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 you have to you know get yourself to break yourself free of that. Yeah, you know, just be able to. Evaluate what you have for what it is and build the best possible deck out of the cards you have. You know, and I mean, every once in a while, yeah, you get something you can't really build with or build a winning deck with. Mm -hmm. But I don't even believe that entirely. I think you can always build something with what you have that, if you're evaluating the cards correctly, can win. Right. Because else has the same amount of cards sure they may have had one bomb but like you said maybe you don't draw it maybe you have every card draw spell in the world and it's still on the bottom of your deck or it's on the bottom of your deck and someone goes cellar door <laughs> and you go oh there goes my bomb you know what i mean and you got a zombie out of that i hate you you know like, and, and if it's gone, if, and if it's gone, like, if that happens to you and you're the guy who gets your, like, one bomb put on the bottom of, put on your graveyard from the bottom of your library, it's just time to reevaluate how you win. You know, it's not right. time to throw in the towel or scoop them up. Yeah. Because they didn't win. They just got a 2-2 zombie. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. not a win. Like, if putting a 2-2 zombie token on the battlefield equal to win... Oh my god, I would have the most wins of anyone in Magic history. <laughs> you know? And like, but I know it's not. It's like, okay, now what do I do? You know? And that's always my mindset, is I'm always just going, okay, what do I do now? 
Like, how do I get out of this? And it's never like a, I can't win situation. It's how do I win? Because once you start thinking you can't win, you lose. Like, I mean, like a lot of times I feel like when players look at, you know, their, like look at their performance or look at like their event of sealed. And again, like I'm not exactly saying you, but I'm sure there's an element to use stuff you do too. But like when, when someone looks at a loss they have, right. Mm -hmm. And then blames it on either like being mana screwed. Like I'll tell you something about that. I'll get back to mana screwed being mana flooded or from your opponent having a sick pool, you know, like I feel like those are all just things that distract you from mistakes you've made that you could learn from and improve upon. And and you can say mana screw, but when you look at a hand that you can't play anything in to begin with, you mana screwed yourself by not mulliganing. See, like, I look at that. I don't look at that as I got mana screwed. I look at that as poor mulligan choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the shortcut in my brain. My brain always tries to blame myself first. Yeah. And if I can't blame myself, then I look to outside factors. But I feel like blaming myself as a player is the only way. Like, I don't have nothing. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. But I have to prove things to myself, you know? And, and when I look at – so I don't need to, like, act as though I could have done better or act, or act as though there was nothing I could do. I always want to know that there was something I did wrong that I can learn from. Yeah, because I don't right. gain anything if I don't learn anything, you yeah. know? If it's a loss. I don't gain anything from a loss if I learn nothing from it. So I always look at that as, what did I do wrong? And if I can't answer that question, I go, okay, what happened? You know, someone has a bomb in their pool – and they draw it. They have one bomb. Let's say they have one bomb and you have one piece of removal. You know? Mm-hmm. You have to draw that removal and they have to draw that bomb in order for that whole shebang to go down. You know right. what I mean? If only one or the other happens, you're going to, you know, somebody, something's going to give. And, and here's the thing that happens is that, like, you know, if you have this piece of removal in your deck for this bomb and then you waste it on something else and they play that bomb, you're asking for it. Right. You know what I mean? So I always look at, like, a piece of removal as, like, a piece of gold. And it's like, this is going to win me the game, or, you know, this is going to keep me from losing. It's going to win, or it's going to stay here in my hand until it does one of those things. If, and especially if you have removal at a premium. You don't draw a, a piece of removal and then just waste it on the first creature you see because you're like, ha-ha, now you have nothing on your board. Now you can't do anything, you know? Right. Like, because then they go, bigger creature, and you go, Crap! Like, bigger creature? What? A, I don't have anything for bigger creature. I was looking at creature on the board. You know, like... Right. <laughs> that was an opposite problem I had yesterday. I'm like, play bigger creature so I can kill... <laughs> <laughs> the guys you're you're playing are, uh, are guys that I can't deal with because they're not monstrous enough. Right, uh, right. But I think with, with me, like, it's just... Kind of this whole thing is at the top of my, uh, you know, the fearless magical inventory kind of idea that is like Sam Stoddard wrote an article back in. Yeah, yeah, it's class. Yeah, class. Like December 2007, actually. I I just pulled it up, so I'm going to link it in the show notes. But this is the thing that I am like, like completely familiar with it. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to link that in the show notes for you to read because you definitely have to read it. But, um, but yeah, it's like I think the biggest thing where I get frustrated in that kind of grass is always greener kind of situation where I feel like I want to blame something. I want, I want to blame luck or something. And the funny thing is though, I'm also very aware of all this that we're talking about. And so what'll happen is my kind of, I guess my instinct is angry. And sometimes I let that out and then, but immediately I realize, no, I'm wrong. I can't blame. I didn't see my third land on luck. I want to blame myself. But then I'm like, like, why did I just let that out? You know, why did I just get frustrated or say something about it? I'm like, I need to – it's like I need to rein in that initial frustration uh, and sometimes I just can't. You know, or not – it's not that I can't. Sometimes I just don't. See, look, I just did it again. (laughs) Not that But anyway, I I think we've said a whole lot. We've got a – uh, a got full, an episode. We've got a full podcast, which we only expected to talk for a few minutes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> got a full podcast. Well, I never heard back from my girlfriend, so, you know, <laughs> she's still asleep. <laughs> Blame yourself. There we go. It's not her fault. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's just uh, look forward to some upcoming events in the couple next couple weeks. Unfortunately, we do not have a pre-release coming up this weekend. No. But instead, we have what I think is even better: the actual release weekend. Yes, because you can actually buy product. Exactly. <laughs> what is the launch party promo? I don't know. Did you Google it or anything? Let me do it right now. Innistrad launch. You're going to do it too. Party promo. Mayor of Averbrook. Ludovic's test subject. Oh, okay. So the test subject. Oh. I, I didn't even know that. Oh. Now that's cool. Wait, I did because I've seen this art before. So apparently I knew it and forgot it. Yeah, that is cool. I like cool. that a lot. <laughs> That's cool. I, I like that. Um, and then game day is diagraph cool, full, full art. You got to get that right. The the two two for a, a black zombie enters the battlefield tapped. It's a full art. Ooh, nice. What's the um? Foil? The, uh, the the top eight is the foil uh, elite inquisitor. Ugh. So uh, and then it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's uh, it, the art's awesome. And then the buy box is devil's play. Uh, so then, what else do we have this weekend? Is that it? Just a launch party on Friday, and that's it? No, it's not it. Um, the other events we have, we have the Star City Games Open Series in Indianapolis. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that will be awesome to watch uh, if you're not going. If you can't make it, you can watch it all on SCG Live, and you get to see all new standard decks and a completely kind of revamped legacy format with Mental Misstep gone. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here in Standard, in finally new Standard. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to see what people kind of brew up. I know there's uh, some spicy lists going around. I know Reanimator is one that I think we're going to at least see, probably on camera. Whether or not it, it succeeds, I don't know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a list that people have been... Pe- people want to play um, Unburial Rites and Liliana... <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I'm going to discard my fat creature and bring it back with Unburial Rights, that kind of thing. So uh, I think we'll see things like that. There's a number of people talking about it. Um, but anyway, I want to play uh, Mono Red. I want to play Big Red. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have a lot of ideas, and it's going to be interesting to see what we what we get this weekend. And, uh, and of course, uh, next weekend, October 8th and 9th, is the Star City Games Open Series in Nashville. So we'll see that format start to kind of get a little more fleshed out. And, uh, of course, I'll be there with Mike Flores doing SCG Live. So for those of you who can't make it, you can watch us all weekend. I guess that's everything for the week. We are Yo! MTG Taps. Stop bitching and start correctly evaluating your seal pools. So, but anyway, my point is this: the the pre-release card mm-hmm. was a rare. Yeah, that was weird. Was not a mythic. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Flashback to all the stuff we said about pre-releases versus launch parties, and how pre-releases suck because now there aren't any there are rules on like you can't run side events, you can't sell anything, you know, you can't sell any product, uh-huh. um, and. So, like, the main attraction, now that there isn't a big pre-release, is, well, I'll get a Mythic Rare for free. Yep. And you don't even get that anymore. (laughs) At least not in this case. There is absolutely no reason to continue on with this pre-release ruse. Like, let's just get rid of it. Just forget it. Like, do the previews a week later. You know what I mean? Like... Do the previews a week later, and then just have the first time you play with the cards be when the set comes out. Right, when you can buy them anyway. When you can buy them. Yeah. So, so then people will go, and then, and then the hype is at a max. The stores benefit the most because people are buying the most cards because they can buy them all at once, mm-hmm. and they don't have a weekend to trade for stuff. So they'll be like, give me a box, give me a box, give me a box. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a loss for the stores at all other than the stores get to run two events. And if the stores really want to run two events, have them run a, a Friday pre- a launch party and then like a Sunday launch party. 
Right. I know one of the uh, one of the like, criticisms of it was like, well, stores are going to have a fit because they can't run pre-releases. Like, yes, they can. It's just not called a pre-release. Right. Just, just, that's all. Launch party. <laughs> you have the exact same setup for the pre-release because I wanted to run two launch parties and I couldn't even do that. Like, I wanted to run a, a, a Friday one and a Sunday one this week, but it only let me schedule one. So, like, give me the three days. Give me a Friday to have a pre-release or a launch party, which is just really the pre-release pushed up to the launch date. Right, it's a pre-release where you can buy product. Right, let me do it on Friday, let me do it on Saturday, let me do it on Sunday. Let me do it three days of pre-release, and, like... And that makes up for having two, like, one day of launch party. You know what I mean? Like, right. give me three days of launch party and just let me go at it all weekend. You know, people will come all weekend and play cards all weekend. Yeah. You know? Because I'm, they'll be able to come and buy stuff, too. Right. We made a lot of these points in that episode. Um, I know. I know. So but I'm kind of retouching them. I don't want to yeah. go on about it too long. But anyway, here's the point. The last living relic... Of, and it's not even a relic because it started with, like, what, Shards of Alara, right? With the Mythic Rares as pre-release cards? Yeah. Last relic and the last reason to cling to the pre-release is gone. Let it go. Just do launch parties. Um, and anyway, so there are launch parties this weekend. Uh, nice little rant there. It's a ranty podcast today, isn't it? It is. It certainly um, is. I guess that's everything for the week. I'm stretching. <laughs> <laughs> we are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching and start correctly evaluating your seal pools. I thought you were going to say stop stretching, start brewing. <laughs> <laughs>